Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Well, as young people spend more time online, helping parents navigate their child's online world is more important than ever. Our next guest, Susan McLean, is a specialist in those online safety discussions you should be having with your children. She's Australia's foremost expert in the era of cyber safety, or the area of cyber safety and young people. She was a member of Victoria Police for 27 years, and in 1994 took her first report of cyberbullying involving a group of year eight schoolgirls. From this case, she identified the emerging problem of internet harassment. She's also been employed by the AFL and Cricket Australia, as well as many other sporting, corporate, medical and government bodies. Susan McLean's recently been appointed to sit on the newly established Australian Government Online Safety Consultative Working Group. Susan, good morning. Thank you for your time. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It occurs to me 1994 feels like centuries ago when it comes to our experience of online, uh, the downside of online, and you've been tracking it this long. What would you say of late, even for parents who feel like they're keeping up, what would you say should be absolutely top of their thinking in helping their children navigate this world? Well, I think what parents need to understand is their experiences online won't mirror their children's. Um, the way they may have used technology when they were young is very different to today. So we want parents to be an active participant in their child's online life, the same as they are in their offline life. And how do you go about that? I, I don't want to go straight to, to the thing that struck me in the book, but uh, too late I have. There's actually a safety agreement that you um, script out here. That's It's interesting for two points. It is engaging the child in an act of responsibility for their own well-being, but of course it's also a way of annotating the detail of what they might come across and, and being a reminder. When you script that safety agreement, for what age child do you have it in mind? I think that from the moment a child can understand some basic rules, you can use it. Now obviously some of the language in it a three-year-old is not going to understand. But what we want is there is never too late a time to have a conversation. So I don't want parents to think, I've missed the boat, this is all too late. But the best practice is to start the conversations before your child gets hold of any device. Even if you are going to hand them your iPad to play with, there needs to be a conversation on what they're doing, how they're doing it, tell mummy or daddy if something scares you, all of that sort of basic stuff in a way the person can understand. So let's talk about, because the book is full of it, case studies of what kids can experience online, but also explain what it is that might make them reveal that or let you know something's up. Uh, so what are the sorts of situations you want to give your child a response to? What we don't want is parents to threaten uh, to take technology away because we know that if a parent threatens that, a child won't tell. They're not stupid. They're going to think, well, 
no point in telling mum about this. I'll just deal with it because I don't want to lose technology. So we don't want the blanket threats and bans. But we need parents to be able to talk to their children about bullying, online nastiness. We need them to be able to talk about strangers. We talk about strangers in the real world. We need to talk to them about the person online that they may not know. And, of course, things that scare them. And in the real world, their instincts kicked in. Um, they, they feel uncomfortable. They might get butterflies in their stomach. Their heart might race. Those instincts um, or early warning signs are dulled online because you've got a screen interface. So it's about it's not actually anything different than what we would teach them about safety in the real world. It's just in the digital space. This is where you talk about why kids uh, don't listen sometimes when the alarm bells sound. And is this what you're getting at? Because it's a different environment and or because they fear that they will lose access to that environment. And that's, those, those two things are absolutely correct. Because I, I, yesterday, for example, I spoke to 1,800 um, boys at a boys' school in Queensland in Australia. And, you know, what I know they do, and, and I do a little activity with them which they laugh at, but children today and children forever have known not to talk to random strangers. You do not go up to random strangers, talk to them and take them home. Yet the same child that knows that will not do that in real life will, in fact, engage with a random person online because they seem nice, sound nice, appear nice, are paying them compliments. And there's almost a disconnect. Like, they get the stranger thing, but it goes out the window online. It's like the criminality of technology misuse. They get criminality in the real world. Oh, I can't steal and I can't do graffiti, but being mean online is something a bit different, or I can send nude photos because they're of me. So there's still this, this disconnect, if you like, between the way they're processing everything, even though you know, it doesn't make any sense to think that online laws are actually any different. Let's stay with the, the very scary, the, the idea that some predator online is, is, is tracking your child and then we'll come back to their social relationships, which is a different field again. You talk about who is your child's new online BFF, best, best friend forever. Uh, is this something to watch out for? It is. Now, as an adult, if there's some random person going to talk to you online, you are going to call that person a stranger. That's a stranger to me. I don't know who you are. But children use this term online friend. Now, an online friend in a child's language is a stranger. You know yourself, if you are engaging with a friend, a true friend, you are behaving very differently than if you're telling your brain this person is a stranger and I need to be aware. So this is where we find that children get sucked in very easily is they are too quick to accept the stranger, turn them into the friend, um, and then, of course, they let their guard down. The stranger has a level of trust with your child. And as any adult knows, once you have the trust of a child, you know, you can get them to do basically whatever you want them to do. How do these people find your child is another chapter. And uh, is this where you need to be aware of the sorts of uh, places they might be on um, playing games or uh, apps? How do these people find your child? Yeah, so what Whilst we need to focus on perhaps the latest problematic Apple site, what we need parents to understand is that any app, game, site or platform that allows person A to communicate with person B 
is going to have a range of people on it, including pedophiles. And we know a game in particular is the number one downloaded and played game by children worldwide. That's where predators are going to go because they know they have easy access to large numbers of children. Susan, we're just getting a little bit of um, a little bit of feedback there. I think it might be just a little bit of wind if you can just turn your black, your back to it. So watch yeah, out. So those mo- yeah, th- in the car. that's better. Those most popular games, um, you you probably instinctively feel safe, say, oh, they're just playing whatever. But actually, that is where there is a risk that that um, professional predators will be out looking. So again, what do you do? What do you do to have that initial conversation with them in an age appropriate way to say? If X happens, let me know because, uh, you know, how do you do that in a way that doesn't make them want to hide what they're experiencing or when they're feeling uncomfortable? So it's about those open and honest conversations that hopefully you're having with your children about everything in their life. And again, if your child wants to play a game, you need to download it and play it first and make sure that you're happy that that game is, is suitable for your child. And then it's just a continual conversation of, you know, if someone talks to you that you don't know, if someone says something to you that, that makes you upset or scared, you must tell mummy and daddy, we're not going to be angry, we're going to help you. Let's look at some of uh, the social activities and, and, our, and on our pathway to that, let's, let's talk about keeping an eye on what your kid is doing, right? You talk about their online uh, reputation, you talk about Googling them. This is where I think there's a line between um, breaching trust and, frankly, this is where the agreement might be a good idea, saying up front, this is the deal, right? So yeah. what is it that you're doing to keep track of what your kid is doing online? Where do you need to be? What do you need to be doing? Yeah, so you're going to have the agreement in place, obviously, first of all, because that's going to set out the expectations for technology use. If your child is on anything, you're going to be there too. And there is a line between being a stalker and being a parent. But what children have to understand is there is no such thing as privacy on the internet. And, you know, if a parent should know their child's password, should know their passcode, should be able to access their accounts in case of emergency, not 24-7, but there has to be that agreement about we are allowing you access to this, we expect this in return. And... A lot of people go, oh, but if I've got their password, that's an invasion of their privacy. No, it's not. It's actually being a parent. The question of the selfies part of the equation, this has become uh, quite a rite of passage. How do you broach and what do you do about this issue of sexting, and particularly um, naked images or um, images of certain parts of your body? Yeah, and uh, this is a huge issue um, worldwide because... Whether adults agree or disagree or like it or not or think it's a great idea or don't, most adults don't, young people are often sharing these sexy, flirty snaps as part of their dating processes. So we have to understand that. It doesn't mean we're encouraging them, but we do need to understand that it it is a reality. We also need to understand that for many girls, they are routinely harassed for these photos um, and often just give in. Um, because of the continued harassment from the boys. But compounding the social and emotional and the embarrassment because they will get shared is the law. And the naked photo of a person under the age of 18 years, worldwide mostly, fits the 
fits child pornography offences. And the law doesn't doesn't differentiate. There's no discretion in these laws. So young people around the world are being charged with child sex offences for no more than sharing their photos with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Is that happening in the likes of Australia and New Zealand, though? I mean, uh, seriously, are police forces going after some teenagers? Really? Yep. Because, and I'll tell you why. And I can speak more, obviously, from Australia. And I I do know of cases in New Zealand. These, if a school becomes aware that a child is sharing these sort of photos, and because it's classed as child pornography, they're legally obligated to inform the police. It's not optional. They have to. So once the police have that, that report, then they're legally obligated to investigate. Now, because the laws were written to protect kids from pedophiles, there is no discretion. There are no loopholes which is what we want when we're dealing with the full-blown child sex offender. But because the young person's course of conduct fits within the law, that makes it very difficult for police and judges and magistrates because they are obligated to follow the letter of the law with no options. And when you look at the cautioning programs and the juvenile justice programs that have been brought in worldwide to try to keep children out of the criminal justice system, they were only ever for offences that kids committed. They weren't for sex offences or child pornography offences. They were for minor assault and they were for shoplifting and things like that. Victoria has amended their laws. I was part of the Law Reform Commission review four years ago and we now have an amendment to the law that in certain situations police can deal with these young people in an educative way rather than a criminal way. But Victoria is the only state to have done that. There are sadly children registered sex offenders because they've shared nude photos. And and that's not acceptable. We have to deal with that. What do you do if you find out it's happened as a parent? Take a deep breath and breathe. Please don't panic, Um, which is a very easy thing to say when when it's not in your face. Remain as calm as you can because normally um, your child might be pretty upset already, unbeknownst to you. Start a conversation. I'm aware. I heard. I was told. We need to discuss this. Don't be judgmental. Don't scream, rant and rave and try and work out the how. Was it consensual? Is this the boyfriend and the girlfriend? Is it, were, was your child harassed or threatened? Are they being blackmailed? And then sit down and have as calm a conversation as you can. Who's got it, where it's gone, how far do you think it's spread? Then you do need, we'll assume that, that your child's in school Um, You do need to let the school know that this is happening um, so that they can take steps to address it. Um, If your child is being blackmailed for the images or they've been shared without consent rather than just a simple sharing between another person, um, your child then would be absolutely 100% treated as a victim and that is something that really needs to go to law enforcement. This is what the the sextortion and image-based abuse part of the book is about. Yeah, and this is sadly a gross area. Um, Like anything where someone has been tricked and humiliated, there is so much under-reporting. When sextortion first started, and I took my first report of that probably six or seven years ago, um, it did tend to be relationship-based. So you've shared the images, relationship sad, and then the person with the photos trying to get back at you would post them, threaten to post them, and things like that. But it's moved. 
and we're seeing children caught up in this. And there's still the element of an intimate partner that might have had the photo sharing it and posting it or basically holding it over you with the, if you do not have sex with me, I will share the photo. If you don't keep sharing photos, I will um, post this. But what we have now, and this is relatively new, is there's organised criminal gangs that set themselves up in call centres in Eastern Europe and Russia and Africa, basically hammer the internet looking for the next victim. It could be you if you're, you take the bait. It could be a child. I've dealt with AFL footballers, NRL players, Mr and Mrs Citizen and children. Convince the person that this is their new love interest or start some sexy, flirty conversation, get a nude photo and then demand money. If you don't pay $2,000 by tomorrow morning, I will post the photo I've got. It's, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? The cyberbullying remains. It was one of the earliest um, problems to emerge from our you know, rapid uptake and transfer of our lives onto the internet. You've, as I said, 94, you took your first report. What does it look like in 2018? And again, how to strategise with your child around it? It is very different. In 1994, there were no social media sites. We were talking about chat rooms, books, and so the chance for this to happen was limited. Um, children didn't have mobile phones. It was all done um, on a computer, if you like. There are just so many places for this to happen now. But the main thing that has changed, this is also something that parents must understand, is a lot of times parents are a little bit dismissive of cyberbullying with, oh, it's just words and words can't hurt you. And then you get the people that don't really know and they say things like, well, if you weren't there, it wouldn't happen. And if you didn't read it, it wouldn't hurt you. Bullying has changed. The nature of cyberbullying has changed. And when you have people in primary school telling other students to go and kill themselves, the fact that no one will miss you and no one will cry because everyone hates you, you know, that's a significant shift. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand is just the level of vileness and nastiness that is occurring online. And we have to address it. We can't just, you know, arrest our way out of it or anything like that. We have to start um, a generational change to make online abuse unacceptable. It's also about educating the kids, isn't it? And are we any better in that in all our environments? Are schools better at it? By educating the kids, I mean the kids doing the bullying. Because again, as you alluded to earlier, this intermediary that is our phone or our device seems to change the way we interact. Uh, and there's plenty of real-life bullying that happens at well as well. But it just seems to absolutely take to sort of the, the nth degree the potential for harm. Yeah, there's disinhibition. So you're not inhibited. There's disinhibition. And you will say and do things online that most people would never, ever contemplate doing or behaving in that way in real life. The pornography is another concern because pornography doesn't do justice. It is far too kind a word to some of what kids will see online. Um, I think your research shows by 11, uh, what most kids will, will be their average age of their first exposure to, to online pornography, 15, 100% of teen boys will have viewed it. By 15, 80% of teen girls would have viewed it. Again, we're not talking about some sort of playboy shots or some fairly no. average 
homemade porn. We're talking about some pretty extreme no. stuff. So how do you yes. deal with that, both in talking to your young person, but also just taking some practical steps as to what they're going to be access, able to access and what they're not? Can you control that? It, it, look, it is very difficult to control because it is embedded in so much. There are so many pop-ups. Um, you know, you fix one thing and, and something else happens. Good filtering, good restrictions, parental controls are vital. Conversations are important. Um, and obviously for little children, it's just about rude photos. And if you saw something, come and tell mummy. But for older children, certainly in secondary school, you have to have a conversation about pornography. Explain that they're actors. It's not real. Um, the problem with pornography, of course, is that they are watching violent and vile rape, torture, porn. They're getting skewed views on normality. They're using that as their sex education tool. So by making sure that your children have correct sex education and that they understand about relationships rather than seeking out what it might be like online, you will go a long way to try to make sure that they're not sucked in. But certainly... Pornography is portable, it's on phones, it goes to school, it's on the bus, on the train, it goes to school camp, it goes to sport. So often boys feel uncomfortable when their mates show them. They're not interested in it, they find it disturbing. So again, reassure your child that they're not in any trouble um, and they need to come and tell you um, if they've seen something being shown. It um, Even on YouTube, innocuous little cartoons will start off with Shrek and then halfway through, Shrek will turn into a rapist. You know, so it's just insidious. But it is very different to, as you said, Playboy.com, if that's all they were watching. I don't know that I'd be particularly fussed, which really pains me to say that. This is, uh, you know, and this is the beauty of the book, really. There's, there's no opting out of this. You've just got to embrace it full on. And I suppose in some ways, this is what I love about the online safety agreement. Everyone is itemising how we're going to go about things and committing to go about doing things. Um, what age, just quickly, Susan, what age would you get the agreement that you've got on the book, sign that with a child? Um, look, certainly at the, towards the end of primary school, I mean, yeah. there are really smart, intelligent children in, in around grade three and four, and, and some take a little bit longer. But you know your level of maturity of your children. It is 100% suitable for anyone once they've hit high school. But it, it's certainly easy to adapt. For the, for the, the lesser things that a younger child might be doing. Thank you, Susan McLean. That's nine to noon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 